Coming up on today's Locked on Bucks, we take a look back once again at another game against the Bulls. And hey, if you love seeing the same opponent over and over and over, boy, do we have some good news coming up for you this week and the next couple of weeks. We'll get into all of that. And oh, by the way, is this a quarter of the way through the season? Giannis's best season so far. We'll dive into that conversation after this. Um, you are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia here with you, joined by Camille Davis. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network. You can hear Camille on the Technical Foul podcast and the Carry the G in MKE podcast. I certainly no shortage of things to discuss there with the Packers last night, uh, Camille. But we do thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast and viewable on YouTube on the podcast network, Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, Camille, let's just start with the good here. So the Bucks do kind of flip the script on the Bulls, as, as you discussed last night, that there was a lot of similar tones to what we saw the last time these two teams played. It went to overtime. It was almost decided on the last possession of the game. This time, the Bucks prevailed. We've had the conversation a lot, so I don't necessarily intend on, on getting into it here over, is this good or bad, the number of close games that, that the Bucks are playing? I'll just say this. Um, it's good to figure out how to win these, these games. I think we all agree on that. And it's a much different team than it was a season ago, that these are games – you can't really quantify it, but it, it seems like the Bucks struggled winning these games a season ago in the last couple of years. Uh, but at some point, enough is enough. Where Usually, the teams that play the highest volume of these clutch games tend to be your mediocre teams because they're right there at the level of competition. Your good teams don't have a lot of them because they're blowing teams out, as we saw in, in the 2019-2020 season. Your bad teams, as we're seeing right now with teams like the Wizards and uh, the Pistons, they don't play a lot of them either because they're getting blown out. So it's good to figure out how to win here, but let's try to transition into not being a five-point game in the final five minutes. I would love that. And it's so funny to think about that because it was just a few years ago where the Bucks were consistently blowing teams out and there were some people asking the question, like, is this really good to continuously yeah. win by always blowing out your opponent because you're not able to learn in that clutch time, crunch time situation? And now this season, it's one of those things of are we seeing too much clutch time? Because, you know, we're not seeing this team take care of business against teams that you would expect them to outside of the Wizards game that we had where we actually were able to get a big lead over the last few games. Again, things have been pretty close and it just depends on how you look at it. Really, it does. And for myself, I see the good in being able to pull off these games, but it doesn't get rid of the little red flags that we're still seeing with this team about, is this sustainable? Will this run out at some point? Because what you're seeing with this team is that we, we've we talked about it. This is not 
a defensive first team. No matter what Adrian Griffin said when he came in about being a defensive first coach, the way that this team is playing is not defensive first. This is an offensive first team. So my expectations changed of this team, right? Expect them to be more so of an elite offense with an all right defense. And at this point, yes, the numbers have been better since they switched back into that drop coverage, but the raw numbers itself still have the Bucks as a, you know, bottom third defense in the league right now. So getting into these close games, yes, it does teach you something and it shows that this team can play through adversity. It shows that this team can come through when it really matters, when things are on the line, they don't fall apart. They continue to keep playing. I've mentioned it before as well with those Miami Heat teams that we saw in the past, especially last year's team, where it didn't matter how big you were up by because the Miami Heat were never going to be out of it. And the Milwaukee Bucks, with their efforts that they're able to erase large deficits as well as continue to play in the clutch, come up with victories more times than not, it shows some good times. But truly, truly, you would love to see the net rating that this team has start to expand a little bit. That's the part of it that that worries me. I'm not necessarily worried that we're having so many close close games. If we could have a few more where the Bucks are winning comfortably. And look, last week in the quarterfinals, it, it felt like, okay, things are starting to fall into place. We were begging for just don't win a game by or, or don't be in that clutch situation. Can we see a string of these games where you're just blowing teams out. And you did that to the Knicks. And it felt like, okay, they're building to something here. And then you ran up against the tough Pacers team. And then you ran up against maybe it's just the fact that the Bulls match up well with you and, and have your number. Who knows? Because this is two games that have been almost identical. Um, but I'm going to be very curious to see what this matchup looks like on Wednesday against the Pacers. Because based on what we heard in terms of the emotions after that game and how that game played out, this should be a team that is looking to redeem themselves after that performance. Number one, the more interesting subplot is, you know, we're a quarter of the way through the season. The Pacers are lurking. And I, I don't think, as crazy as it may have been to suggest, what, a month ago, it's a foregone conclusion the Bucks are going to win the Central Division. Like, at, at this point, this season, you're at least going to be tested. And what makes this game against the Pacers at home on Wednesday even more interesting is you lose that game, you already lost the head-to-head tiebreaker with Indiana, which which could portend very, very big in terms of that central division in any playoff seating. So the motivation should definitely be there for the exact type of outcome or results that we've been clamoring for and just spoke about now. The motivation should be there for it against Indiana on Wednesday. The motivation should be there for a few reasons outside of even just the standings in itself. Like you, the Bucks have not beaten the Pacers yet this year. And after the in-season tournament loss, that's when we started getting the reports out from Chris Haynes about what's going on in the locker room with Bobby Portis challenging the coaching staff, as well as his teammates saying, hey, we need to be more organized down the stretch here and we need to execute better. So that's coming out after the last Pacers loss. And now we get the Pacers again. So they talked about things they wanted to see changed. In that report that Chris Haynes put out, it was mentioned that Griff highlighted the fact that the Bucs need to do a better job even rebounding, which apparently led to Bobby going out and saying, hey, we need to be more organized down the stretch. And last night's game against Chicago, that's one thing I was looking at. Like we've heard the, the reports come out. How much different does it look? And the effort looked a little bit more sharp throughout the first two quarters. The third quarter, again, we saw the same things that have plagued this Bucks team throughout the season. The turnovers, being too lackadaisical, not getting back, just not enough effort in that third quarter. And then they turned it on in the fourth. 
now you have the Pacers again. This is like the third team on my list here where there's some get back needed. We saw it with Toronto where they were embarrassing Toronto early in the season. They came back. They got their win. Uh, you know, we had the same thing with the, the Hawks where you lost to the Hawks in an embarrassing fashion and you come back and you're trying to get that win. Thought that might happen with that end season tournament game in Vegas. But again, down the stretch, the Bucks made too many mistakes, turned the ball over too many times and couldn't convert on offense. So now you have another opportunity to see this team who has already beaten you twice. And it is December 12th, December 13th when these teams see each other to have your third game against a divisional opponent on December 13th of the year, knowing that you still have January, February, March, and April to play regular season games. Like, yes, there is an added weight to it when it comes to the standings and jockeying for position, but there also should be just some pride on the line too as well because of what happened after the last time these two games or these two teams saw each other. Yeah, it's it's been something that we, we mentioned in, in quite a few instances already this season. So, uh, it, it's part of the, the the whole package that the most consistent team we've seen or most consistent trait we've seen with the Bucks so far this season has been inconsistency. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that starts to shift in the next couple of days here. And especially in time for your next game, a big one is, you know, we don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but for everything you pointed to, to the, the tiebreaker, to the fact that this Pacers team embarrassed you in the clutch in the in-season tournament and they've beaten you twice this is a big game this early in the season for the Bucs, if, if for no other reason than uh, to show that they have a response to the way that, that they played against this team, which, again, you can't rule out facing the Pacers in the postseason. And I think what we've seen, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but all of the, the calls for the Bucks defense, the Pacers have had a much, much worse defense by the numbers this season. But they have clearly designed play to say, look, we know our defense is a problem, but we know we're going to outscore you and you're going to have to stop us. So that's where the Pacers have found success. And you go back to the in-season tournament as well. It's exactly what happened. The Bucks did not score against that defense. They made some mistakes late and the Pacers just continued to uh, execute. So it's, it's going to be a big one on Wednesday for the Bucks. And uh, speaking of big ones for the Bucks, nobody has been bigger this season than Giannis. So we do want to spend quite a bit of time talking about the start that Giannis has gotten off to, how historic it potentially could be, and also take a look at some missing pieces for this team because, look, every team is dealing with injuries at this point in the season and at any point in the season, but the Bucks, some of their biggest issues may have to do with some of the players missing from the second unit. So we'll get into those conversations after the break. And after we tell you about our friends at eBay Motors, our partners there at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Plays of the Week. Uh, I am looking at some of these names here, and the one that jumps out to me is going to be Isaiah Hartenstein. Mitchell Robinson's going to be out at least two months, maybe even more, with some surgery he's undergoing there for the Knicks. Hartenstein's the guy I would look to to uh, have some big numbers filling in in those minutes. He closed the game just the other night. Not a whole lot of depth up there. It's just he and Jericho Sims, and Hartenstein 
showed some flashes with the Los Angeles Clippers. So there's going to be a big opportunity for Isaiah Hartenstein coming up with that prolonged absence of Mitchell Robinson. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. Uh, So at eBay Motors, they make it very, very easy for you to find everything you need to get the price match guarantee as well. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, wherever your baby needs it, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we should also remind everybody, Camille Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Giannis, uh, where do we even begin with uh, what we've seen from him so far this season? And, you know, the funny part to me of all of this, Camille, is if we go back around what the first week or two of the season that's when you're starting to hear a little more of man some of those inefficiencies we saw from Giannis last year so is is this just gonna be part of his game he was three for nine at the free throw line uh, against the Sixers on opening night had a couple other games where he's around 55 or 60 percent at the free throw line there and then it just seemed to really click for him leading up to that game he missed against the Raptors, and that's where we talked about the number one, the revenge game that you referenced, but also Damian Lillard kind of finding his comfort zone. But ever since then, he has just been an absolute force. And to me, there's a lot to, to really pull from here and what we've seen from him. I'm going to look at the free throws because he was technically 14 of 18 in uh, the win against the Bulls. He was unofficially 14 of 17. There was another one of those 10-second calls. 11 of 13 before that, 4 of 4, 4 of 5, 10 of 13. He has consistently, for about a month now, been a much, much better free throw shooter, but just the overall efficiency. I'm, I'm going to read you a list of players, and you probably are already aware of this, who have averaged 30 or more points in a season while shooting 60% or better. Giannis Vitacupo in 2023-24 season, that is it. I know we're only a quarter of the way through, but that's the company he's in. If you take it a step further and look at guys, well, what about 59%? Just Giannis. 58% is Giannis and Adrian Dantley. If we take it down to 57%, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it twice with the Bucks. Giannis is doing it this year. Adrian Dantley uh, did it twice in 1981 and 82 with the Utah Jazz. That is it in the, what, 77, 78 years of the NBA that a player has scored that much points and done it as efficiently as we have seen Giannis do it this season. You love to hear that. And it's really encouraging to see how well he has been playing 
the season, especially after the slow start that he got to the season. And that was somewhat expected, right? He came into the season after having the knee surgery in the off season. And he mentioned like, Hey, I might be a little out of shape, a little heavier than I want to be, but like, I'm going to get into game shape. And when you look at the numbers that he's put up so far, a quarter of the way through this season, if they hold up, like you mentioned, this would be a career high from the field for Giannis shooting currently 62% from the field prior to this, the best that he's ever shot from the field was 58%. And that was the 2018-19 season. Like Giannis has been playing so well this year and he still has room to get better because he's still getting used to the looks that he's getting now with the different uh, defensive attention now that they have with Dame on the team as well. So as he continues to learn, maybe the shooting percentage doesn't remain as high because this is otherworldly for him at the moment. But Something that I look at for Giannis in particular is that mid-range shot that he has because for years I kept saying like, man, really wish Giannis could get a three-point shot. If he could hit the three, you know, it unlocks his game. And then once we got Bud and saw the new system, I started to realize I don't think that a three-point shot is necessary for Giannis to expand his game. But if he can be consistent in the mid-range, especially since he's normally getting walled off from the paint, if you can operate in that in-between spot, it's going to do good for you. And last season, we saw some decline from Giannis shooting in that mid-range spot and just outside of the paint in general. From five to nine feet last year, he was shooting about 24%. In that 10 to 14 range, he was shooting about 35%. In that 15 to 19 range, he was shooting about 38%. And you look at the numbers this year, between five to 7%, he's shooting about 35%. In that 10 to 14 range, he's still around that 33%. But in that 15 to 19 range this year, he's shooting 31%. So like you're seeing some bumps here for him, uh, especially in that 20 to 24 feet as well. He's shooting 34% there this season. Last year, that was only 22%. So you're seeing him being more efficient in certain spots of the floor where last year it was lacking a little bit. And we know what he can do once you get him into that restricted area. He's almost unstoppable at that point. So if he can continue to be efficient in that mid-range game, like that does so much for this team, especially when you look at how the pick and roll is developing between him and Dane, where he's catching it on that short roll and he's in that mid-range spot, generally on the catch. So what he can do out of that with the passing ability is getting better. He's getting used to where teammates are. What he's able to do shooting-wise has been better this year than it has last year. So yeah, if he keeps this up, this could be a historic scoring season for Giannis, especially with the efficiency numbers. Yeah, and you mentioned that short roll, too. Our, our buddy Eric Name pointed out a couple of those sequences, and that is clearly something that Giannis and Dame have, have been working on. Um, I know the Bucks have kind of worked on some of that stuff in practice, and that's the other big part about this such a strange schedule that they have where – Outside of that trip to Vegas, they're basically home for about a month where you go back to the end of November where you played, uh, what, two home games going into that Bulls game to wrap up the month. The Bulls game was just a bus trip to Chicago. And then outside of the flight to Vegas for a couple of days, you're in Milwaukee until December 22nd. So you're at home for the majority of a full month. And that does give you the availability and options to do more things like a practice. When people think of practice, you think of five on fives and open court scrimmages, essentially. That, that's not what happens at this point anymore. But especially once you get to this point in the season, you just don't have the bandwidth for it. But when you've got a schedule like this, it does open up uh, some of those opportunities. So I, I think you're going to continue to see things like that and, and some of that chemistry continue to develop. 
You look at a couple of those plays in the game early last night with those feeds from Dane Dionis. I think that was a clear sign of these guys have been working on that and, and Dane kind of making the football passes of putting it to a spot before Giannis gets there with Giannis basically telling him, no, trust me, I'll get there. Just put it there and I'll be ready for it. That that's something that was missing for the first 20 or so games. So the kind of smaller strides that we continue to see made. But when you mention the shots that he's taking, I mean, I, I think we do have to point out just how diligent he's been with the shots that he has started to take uh, this season. And to me, what jumps out the most is really a couple of things. Number one, right now he is averaging 1.7 three-point attempts per game. That would be his lowest amount of attempts on a per-game basis since the 2015-16 season, his third season in the league and the final season he played before he became a perennial All-Star, his first All-Star game the next year. So he's back to that version of Giannis in the sense of how many of those threes he takes. But when I mentioned that game against the Raptors that he missed, and it seemed like after that, everything kind of started to fall into place for he and to a smaller extent for Damian Lillard as well. The numbers back that up as well, that if, if we look back, to all the games played leading up to that. It's just 10 games. The Bucks are 6-4 and four in those 10 games that Giannis played in. He averaged just under 30 points a game. He was shooting 58% from the field, but he was taking two and a half threes a game. He was only shooting 25% on those, and he was shooting 64% at the free throw line. In the games played after that Raptors game, he's played 12. The Bucks have gone 9-3 and three in those. He is averaging just under 32 points a game. He is attempting just one three-pointer per game, so more than one fewer three attempts per game that he's taking. He's shooting essentially 70% at the free throw line. I don't so much care about the 23% shooting on, on threes because he's cut those down dramatically. He has just let the game come to him in these last 12 games where we haven't seen charges. I know you've seen a couple, but it hasn't been a high volume of them. And a lot of them have been, uh, I guess it could go either way. It hasn't been what we've grown accustomed to seeing where it's Giannis just thinking, I got to take everything on myself here. I got to take over and starting to force things. And to me, that's the most single most encouraging thing of all of this, of all the good and the bad that we've sifted through for these first, what, 24, 23 games of the season. That to me is the biggest thing to cling to because you have to assume Damian Lillard, the chemistry, everything about that that we talked about with Giannis clicking, it's going to start to do the same for Damian Lillard relatively soon as well. You've seen the value he brings late in these games. So if this is the version of Giannis that we get moving forward as everything starts to fall into place, this is a very, very scary offense. Absolutely. I agree with just about everything that you said there. And one of the interesting things that you brought up was, again, the schedule that the Bucks have been playing so far with them being able to get so many home games in a row, which is going to be very helpful for this team. After the in-season tournament loss, Giannis mentioned the fact that the NBA is different. You don't get a chance to practice that often. And I'm not sure how many fans are aware of that, how you mentioned as well. Like, even when you say practice, it's not 5v5. It's not, you're not getting out there and doing it's that. It's film study. And yeah, exactly. and you're doing walkthroughs. Exactly. Right. And now they have the chance to be home. And honestly, I know we all wanted them to win the first ever in-season tournament award. But with them losing that game, 
on that Thursday, they were off until their next game on Monday. So they were able to spend some time working with one another, practicing, watching the film and all of those things of the like. And with them being at home, there's going to be additional time for them to do that. Giannis mentioned like without having the time in practice to work on things, we are working on things in the game. So if you're seeing them doing that, it's kind of like, well, it's nice to do that at home with a friendly audience behind you while you are still figuring some things out. And the Bucs can't choose who's on their schedule. We've mentioned the fact that we're already going to see the Pacers for the third time. But after the Pacers at home, they have Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Orlando before they get back on the road to New York. And of those teams, like Houston's been spunky, but they're not as good on the road. Orlando has been really good this year. The good defense of that game is going to be challenging. But Detroit, they've already lost 20 games in a row. And San Antonio's lost well. 17 <laughs> So <laughs> there could be a lot of pressure, though. It could be a 22 game losing streak coming into Milwaukee on Saturday. Exactly. And you don't want to be that team that's like, oh, they got right against us. So there's like you said, there is pressure with that. And the funny thing about Detroit is that with as bad as they've been, it's taken the attention off of how bad San Antonio has been along the way because of all the Wimby mania around it. So, you know, it, it's coming up like the Bucks are going to have some games where you expect them to win. Um, again, they're at home. They've been able to get some more time, you know, within their own bed, being in the practice facility and working on things in the film. So you hope to continue to see growth over the next week, week and a half before they get back on the road again as well. So, uh, yeah, Giannis, in a single word to describe what he's done so far this season, it would have to be incredible. Efficient is, is up there as well, but I, I know there's still a long way to go here, but it is historic what he's doing this season. And for the most part, everything that all of us have clamored for, cut down on the threes, uh, be more diligent about those types of shots that you take that are away from the uh, the painted area and the rim and get better at free throws. All of these things we've seen in these last, I know it's small sample, but 12 games that we've seen a pretty good version of Giannis go to an elite version of Giannis already uh, this season. And he's doing it without two key pieces for the last week and a half or so uh, that I do want to get to coming up after the break. And after we tell you about our friends at game time. So look, I know I've talked about my experience using some other services and I wish I would have used game time over the summer when I was in Detroit for a couple of events I used someone else. It was not an ideal experience. And going forward, I will always use game time, especially for any last-minute ticket needs that I have. They take all the worries and the concerns out of getting tickets to any big event that you're looking for, whether it's a sporting event, music, comedy, theater events, wrestling, anything. You name it, game time has it, and they can set your mind at ease with their prices, the last-minute killer deals that they offer. You can see your all-in price. What's it going to cost me to get into the building? And most importantly, what are my views going to look like, especially if you're out traveling for the holidays? You haven't been to this venue before. You don't know what to expect with their rows, their seats, their sections. What's a good place to sit? What isn't? Game time solves all of those worries for you when you can see your view from their seat. Take the guesswork out of it when buying tickets and use game time. Uh, look through everything that they have to offer. We mentioned it's not just sporting events, concerts, anything you need, plays, anything in your area. Game time is your number one place to go to for your last minute ticket deals, flash deals that they have, easy to find tickets for any of these events. 
in your area or your surrounding area, game time is really solved. All the questions and concerns that you would have when purchasing your ticket. So again, you can see your view from your seat. You get your all-in price. All of your questions are answered when you use the game time app. So take the guesswork out of it when buying your tickets, especially this holiday season. If you're buying tickets for a loved one, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked.nba for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that code is locked on NBA. Use the code for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. And again, use and redeem the code locked on NBA in time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. So two names I mentioned, um, Camille, or alluded to, you know, when we talked about some of the issues that this team has had too, specifically the bench, that I, I think especially for the last two weeks, when you look at some of these losses, the Bucks bench was outplayed. Last night they did outscore the Bulls bench. Bobby Portis had a nice bounce back game, which I think a lot of us expected given what we heard over the weekend and the fact that he was playing at home where Bobby just seems to be better feeding off of the crowd. But two big pieces to that bench have been missing, and I don't think that's a coincidence that we've started to question, where does this bench rank, and, and is this bench giving them enough on a nightly basis? That's a fair question to ask, but you do also have to factor in, well, Pat Connaughton is missing, Jay Crowder is missing, and it's not even the scoring punch that you would get from those two players, which may not be a lot, but when we talk about, well, this defense started to show some signs of improving then maybe took a step backward, then plateaued, maybe went back again. I think the absence of those two guys speaks to that as well. Not to say if you had those two, hey, all of a sudden the buddy third to third rated defense, but it does move you closer to that area that we've said this team just needs to shoot for and being 13 to 15. You have those two guys, that goes a long way in getting you there. It really does. I had a debate with some of my friends and mentioned the fact that the Bucks have been without Jay Crowder. They've been without Pat Connaughton. And he laughed and he's like, you're saying that as if these are two like all-star dudes the Bucks are missing and they're going to make that large of an impact on what this team does. And I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that they play a very important role for this team. And when you don't have these guys to come off the bench, now you're forced to go deeper in your bench or you're forced to play your starters more minutes. And ironically enough, the two guys that they're missing, Jay Crowder in particular, is somebody who is known for their defense. Like what he's able to do defensively is what is part of the value that he brings to the team. He was also shooting the ball at a very high clip on a low volume, of course, but that's what's going to happen in this offense that's led by Giannis and Dane. We saw when it was just a Giannis-led team what his gravity could do and create so much room for open shooters to work with. And now you add in Dame, and we've seen it with our eyes. We've seen it highlighted in The Athletic by Eric Name. We've seen other national uh, writers point it out. But this Giannis and Dame pick and roll is still drawing a lot of attention. Gian Giannis is still seeing a wall when he's coming out of it. Dame is still seeing two bodies, sometimes three pressing against him uh, while he's trying to figure things out. So it's opening up so many more opportunities for the shooters. Again, Malik Beasley is someone who you've seen get a lot of open looks because of the gravity that the two of them create. And when you have somebody like Jay Crowder, who was only averaging about eight points, but I believe he was shooting the ball around like 50% from three in that limited sample size. Like when you get that back to know if you kick it out to him while he's wide open, it's 50, 50 chance right now that this is going to go in because the shot is just so open. 
you miss those type of guys. You miss those points that they can provide when the opportunity arises to them. And you miss the defense that they're able to provide because we've seen what happens when Jay is out there. Early in the season, he was one of the guys who was in the closing lineups for the Bucks. So you understand his value right there. Pat Connaughton, on the other hand, is somebody who at the beginning of the season didn't really seem to know exactly how much playing time he would get, what his role was going to be. But as time was continuing, we started to see his minutes increase, his role increase as a bench player for this team. And then he gets hurt uh, as he was seemingly coming into his own form so far. So these are two crucial pieces that, you know, the team does need. And one might argue if these are crucial pieces the team needs, then this team's roster is not what it should be. That's another argument for another day, because right now we're just focused on who we have in the jerseys. And these are two men who can really help this team. Well, to that that point, too, about what Jay Crowder had done shooting the basketball, it was just nine games. But, uh, you know, when we think about peak Jay Crowder, game Jay Crowder, you think back to that bubble season when he went to a whole nother level, was hitting seemingly everything inside against the Bucks. He was a demon defensively. That season, he had an effective field goal percentage of 65%. He shot uh, 39% on threes. Actually, no, sorry, 48% on threes in the games played with Miami, which was 20 of them, and that's excluding the playoffs, where they went up even more in that series against the Bucks. But a 45% three-point shooter, an effective field goal of 66%. Through nine games, he's shooting 52% on threes at basically the same volume of attempts about three and a half a game, and his effective field goal percentage was 70%. It would be the highest in his career. So, yeah, he, as we talked about the efficiency for Giannis, Jay Crowder was doing the same thing, which which made that even tougher to take with him uh, going on the shelf for an extended period of time, not just the fact that he was giving you that boost, but as you know, we talked about at the time of the injury, to everything that Jay Crowder did in the offseason, choosing to come back here when I think that was – up in the air with a lot of fans and probably with Jay himself with the way that the season ended and specifically how he was used in the playoffs, but he wanted to be here. He put in even more work in the off season, not to say he didn't last season, but you just continue to see it's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape. And Jay Crowder was ready for this season and he came out and hit the ground running. So that was a big blow for the team, but a tough blow for Jay Crowder as well. Hopefully he bounces back or comes back to that version that we saw or close to it. Because again, these are career numbers for Jay Crowder that he's putting up, albeit through just uh, nine games, but at 33 years old, if he can be close to the guy that he was through his first 10 games, that's going to be huge. And the last thing I would add is just trust. You know, like when we talk about these two guys and you mentioned the defense that they bring, they also have their teammates trust. And when we say trust, you, you usually assume the coaching staff. But it's another thing to have the trust of your teammates. Giannis has all the trust in the world in Pat Connaughton through all the ups and downs that they had been through in the playoff runs that they've had. And the same with Jay Crowder, that those are two guys, you know, every single guy on the floor trusts that they know what to do, they know how to execute, and they know uh, what plays to make down the stretch and that they will make those plays. And this is not a knock on any of the young guys, on Andre Jackson or on Marjan Beauchamp, but Trust is earned, and it takes those reps, and it takes going through those moments, and they just haven't been there yet. And, and for Marjan, we haven't seen him put in those spots to close games so far this season. For Andre Jackson, I know that the next question will come up is, well, why isn't he playing more? 
I don't necessarily disagree with that question, but I do think recently, I think he's still dealing with some of those back spasms because we, we still see him on the bench with some wrap around his back and, and he hasn't really played other than a minute or so in these games. So I think it's just a cautious approach, but that's the other part of it is, is you're losing two guys that were very trusted to execute and to come up big in the biggest moments and guys you knew you could turn to, to, uh, to close the games. Um, defensively, especially. The good news is, you know, Andre or Andre, Adrian Griffin had already pointed out of like yeah, mid-January, we're, we're hoping we get Jay back then. So we're about a month away from that, only about halfway there. Um, but it does sound as though Pat Connaughton is going to be back very soon, by the end of the week that uh, Griff talked about that a little bit yesterday before the game, saying we hope to have him back within the week. So um, maybe against the Pistons or the Rockets on a back-to-back, probably more likely to go towards the end of that back-to-back. But it, it does seem like it's uh, getting to be very for a Pat Connaughton return. Um, tomorrow on the show, we will have the game recap once again against Ooh. the Indiana Pacers. So uh, the good news for all of us, Camille, is we don't have to do any advanced scouting. We already know what to expect <laughs> from the Pacers, from the Bulls, from the Knicks, pretty soon from the Pistons as well. So that basically cuts half the work out of it for us. It does. And I hope that when we get together, whoever it is for the post game after the Pacers game, we can say for the first time this season, the Bucks have beaten the Indiana Pacers, which I mean, coming to the season, who would have thought that that's something that you would be thinking like, Hey, it's their third matchup. They still haven't gotten a win against this team. So hopefully that will be the case uh, heading into the weekend slate of games as well. Yeah, and look, I, I just want to clear something up that I, I saw uh, called out in, in the comments from one of the more recent shows that we did when talking about the Pacers. I'm not saying I didn't suggest Tyrese Halliburton to be good. I did. I did not think Tyrese Halliburton was going to be, at this point, at least a conversation, in the conversation for MVP. I did not expect him to be on that level, and I don't think a lot of people did. No, I didn't expect Tyrese Halliburton to be out here looking like prime Steve Nash. Like, I didn't see that jump coming. And it's really cool to see. I think that the young talent in this league, um, it's growing and the league's in a good spot. So Tyrese being one of those guys is cool to see. But no, I didn't expect it. But it's we're here now. Like, now we have to accept, like, this is what he's put on tape. This, This is the kind of player he is at this point. Yeah, optimized uh, Steve Nash. And, and no better time for it to pop up than right as uh, – Right as they're playing the Bucks as well. So hopefully you find an answer to a, to slow down, not stop, but slow down Tyrese Albert. And we'll get into that on the post game tomorrow night after the Bucks and the Pacers for Camille. I'm Justin. We'll talk to you tomorrow.